I don't know if I'll be asking too much if I said we should just fill these two center rows. The brothers here should come here, the sisters here should come here so that we can see ourselves and have our family meeting very fast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, okay. Have a very short time. A very compared to what I'm trusting God to do in this meeting. The time is very short, but God is not limited by time. Amen. I want us to raise our Bibles and just take a confession as we start. Raise up your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't bother raising any other thing up. Not your phone, just your Bible. Amen. Say after me, say, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Speak up now. I am what it says I am. I believe what it says about me. This evening, my spirit. Amen. And then secondly, I want you to open, your, open up your heart. It's, it's going to be a lot of sharing. It's not like um, there is any concrete thing so prepared and we're not taking a study from the outline. I want to just do a lot of time together. Amen. I want to appreciate God's grace upon the leadership of the house, the people I served with in this tenure. Um, I want to specifically appreciate Papa and Uncle and Auntie. Um, I call them the pastorate of the house. God has done a lot through them and with them and in them in so short a time and i'm glad to have worked with them and for every other person my wonderful roommates the seven guys in that room have been very awesome and phenomenal um it's been great serving with you guys and the three sisters in the sisters school room um they've also been wonderful amen um we started out sometimes in april and here we are in december i was speaking with my g some few minutes ago before it started and it was like, wow, so, so soon, everything is over. I said, it's over. It has come to an end and everything. And I was praying and all that, trusting God for a wonderful gathering today. And I believe that that prayer is answered already. Amen. So we were to start out, of course, for every race, there's always, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a race that is set before you. There is a destination. Amen. So every race, as it were, has what I call a vision that battered it out. And there was a word God gave us to direct the course of our assignments. And we've tried our best as it released the grace to run the race in accordance with that which is said. Isaiah 58 verse 12, let's start from there. And let's re-paraphrase the assignment he gave us. And then in the next few minutes, I just want to quickly touch some few things that I believe it would have us touch before um, this tenure comes completely to an end. Isaiah 58, are we there? Somebody should read verse 12 aloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Your people will rebuild the 
old cities that are now in ruins you will rebuild their foundations you'll be known for repairing the broken places and for rebuilding the roads for rebuilding the roads and the houses and so i see this meeting as a fine opportunity to to do all of those rebuilding and raising up and restoring and repairing amen i i i know in in that short time we've had between april and now about seven to eight months god has done a lot of rebuilding in our lives as many of us that have been a part of this tenure in any way whether you are batch the batches that have gone out save the batch b the batch c and then the batch b's that came in the batch c's that came in and the batch a's that we all started together i believe that there has been some measure of god rebuilding our foundations raising up the age-old standards that we've all neglected in one way or the other by virtue of what the world the contemporary world now says about many things and um, I believe he has done a lot of repairing in us and also made us repair us. And I also believe that he has restored in different ways our joy, our blessings, and he has also made us or made us restoration points to different people. Amen. Amen. So today I just want to, it's a specific assignment anyway, to, I call it tying things together. It's a charge and I titled it, Bring Out the Bride in You bring out the bride b-r-i-d-e in you amen um there are different times of course i was in the last preview we had on tuesday i was praying and i was talking of times that had been stubborn times that god would say say this one and then you look at yourself and say no i can't say it i would rather say this other one because i feel i can say this one you know there are sometimes like some people would say this place can be a place to marry you or to make you there are sometimes that you just know that if you are preaching things that you've not mastered you are probably trading on dangerous grounds amen but at the same time we want to wait for you to be perfected in everything before you teach it we probably will not teach anything amen because it is god's grace that qualifies us for this assignment amen so there are some things i've i would say specifically or intentionally or almost intentionally decided not to touch especially in the areas of relationships both between ourselves and then between our god and we want to focus on that today and just say some few things to once again raise up that age-old standard of what god had in mind right from the beginning which should also on today amen so everything we'll be doing would establish it of course from god's word that has always been our foundation and our reference point amen okay um bring out the bride in you tell your neighbor bring out the bride in you so the message or the charge will be in two dimensions. We'll briefly talk about bringing out the bride in us as it pertains to us as guys and girls, or boys and girls, or men and women. Pick your choice. Amen. Some of us are boys. Some people are men. Some people are elders. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then some ladies are girls. Some are ladies. Some are women already. In fact, some are grandma. Amen. But you pick your choice. So we're going to talk briefly about that. And then we we'll also come back to see ourselves as the bride. The Bible says God is Jesus is coming back for a bride, the church. All of us are a part of that bride. We are meant to be a part of it. And it says it's not just a bride, it's a spotless bride. It's a, a bride without blemish. Amen. So we are meant to we have responsibilities to do to prepare ourselves to receive or to be to be fit to be a part of that which he wants to do. The Bible was saying in 1 Peter, I think chapter 2, around verse 15, that we are all living stones fitted together. We are a part of 
we are like a building. That bride is he represented it with different as at some point he represented it with a body. And he was saying some people will be the fingernails, some people will be the bomb bomb, some people will be the head, some people will be different parts. Amen. Amen. And then um, one part is not to despise the other. Is that right? And then um, at the same time, at, at, in that first Peter, I was typifying it as a house. And he said, all of us are living stones, fitly joined together in Christ. Amen. So I want to start out with the very, um, in, it's always interesting to talk about relationships. One of the reasons why I, I avoid talking about it is because we tend to get carried away with the fun in the discussion that at the end of the day, we don't get to, we don't get anything, literally. Amen. We've, I know we've all attended all sorts of marriage, marriage seminars and they've told you different things about how to be a single, how not to be a single, things you should do before you propose, before you get into a relationship and all of those. And many of us have them on our fingertips as theories. But how many of us have practically lived them out? One of the reasons why I'm always scared also to talk about this is because, practically speaking, I've not exactly been in a relationship. Amen. For those that are close to me, I used to say I've walked on the corridors of love before, but I've not exactly been in love. Amen. Amen. And there are two different things. So no matter how long you walk on the corridors, in as much as it's still the corridors, you can't qualify yourself as someone that will stand up and boldly say I'm engaged, like my prayer. Amen. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it's, it's a different thing if someone like him will stand and speak. But at the same time, even Paul that wrote a lot about, about marriage in First Corinthians, we know that he probably was not married or probably was divorced. At least for the most part of his life, he was single. Amen. Yet he had enough knowledge about this thing. So I believe it's all about the God in us and what he tells us to do per time. Marriage is, 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 it was originally, in fact, human race generally was instituted by him and same was marriage. And God said, John, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, let us make man. And God said, and then in Genesis 2 around verse 18, the same God said it is not good for man to be alone. So it started with what God said. Amen. So originally and basically and foundationally, it's all about the God that originated it. If you can go back to him, then he has all to tell us or he has everything you need to know about relationship, whether or not you've been in one before, presently, or hereafter. Amen. Okay. Um, don't worry. We are getting there. Isaiah chapter 34. I would um, read from verse 14 to 17. I will omit some parts. I just brought out some basic parts. So you might just do well to listen after having opened it. Isaiah 34, 14 to 17. In some few minutes, I'll focus on men. And then in some few minutes, I'll focus on the sisters. And then I'll take all of us as a church as we talk about our relationship with the master. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 34, verse 14. In the God's words translation, at a point it says, Male goats will call to their mates. And then in verse 15, at the point it said, Vultures also will gather there, each one with its mates. And then in verse 16, it says, Search the Lord's book and read it. Not one of these animals will be missing. Not one will lack a mate because the Lord has commanded it. And his spirit will gather them together. The land for them. And they will possess it permanently and live there for generations. They will. Proverbs 18, a very popular scripture about marriage, which is, we're going to stop there at, for a while and dig it a bit. Proverbs 18, verse 22. I can't believe I'm doing this. Thank you, God. Proverbs 18, 22. The, 
um, when a man finds a wife, New Century Version, it says when a man finds a wife, he finds something good. It shows that the Lord is pleased with him. New Century Version. KJV says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor, favor of the Lord. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor from the Lord. Let's balance it from Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31 and verse 10. Okay. Proverbs 31 verse 10. New Century Version says it is hard. It is hard to find a good wife because she is worth more than rubies. She is worth more than rubies. God's Word translation says, Who can find a wife with a strong character? Question mark. It's a question. Who can find a wife with a strong character? She is worth far more than jewels. Amen. An Amplified Bible says, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. C-I-V. Capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. Who is he who can find her? Question mark. She is far more precious than jewels, and her value is far above rubies or pearls. Far above rubies or pearls. The last two translations I read, God's Word and Amplified, asked the question, but the question was not answered. Did you notice that? Who can find a good wife or a wife with a strong character or a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman? Who can find her? Now, the first question I want to ask, and I would probably appreciate it if one or two brothers can answer, is how do you find a wife? And um, I would really appreciate it if people that are in relationships would be bold enough to gladly Uncle, fear not. <laughs> we'll be bold enough to clearly answer the question or any other person anyway. But it's better we have people that are experienced in these things to talk about it. Amen. I, I want you to live with something fundamental that at least you know what God has spoken. We had um, a send forth for Batsi recently and um, we had a minister came around to talk on relationship. That was the first time this burden came in my heart, but I was like, who are you to talk about it? The woman said she's 13 years in marriage. Me, I've never been a day old in marriage, so <laughs> who are you to, <laughs> to talk about certain things? Amen. And um, I believe that as much as very many good things she said on that day, there were some basic things that, foundational things that were not exactly put right. Amen. I'm not here to correct anybody because I'm not the truth. The truth is the word. Amen. And I just want to use the word to illuminate our minds and realign, repair our mindsets, rebuild our mindsets, raise up the age-old standards so that we can have a restored picture of God's ideal idea. Amen. Are we clear? Okay, so who wants to answer? brothers, I'm not asking the sisters anyway. How, uh, how did you find your good partner? <laughs> good question. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm covered. Papa has got my back. How did you find... I'm not going to call anybody. I need a volunteer. But if there's no volunteer, okay. I, <laughs> that's the first question. <laughs> Are you engaged? <laughs> okay. Brochim is it? Are you engaged? Oh, glory. Wow, I'm just knowing that. I'm proud of you, man. Congrats. Praise the Lord. 
I'm not a professional in this, but I will tell you how I found. I found through dream, through two particular dreams. Amobi is here, he can testify to it. <laughs> yes, he followed the entire stages and how it happened. We were together in the fellowship, me and her. The law school program is... No, no, no. I'll, I'll just explain how it happened because you need to get the foundation to know exactly how it happened. We were in the same fellowship, we were in the same school, the same class, virtually everything together. But honestly, I didn't know her until about three weeks, three weeks to go from the school. This was somebody that was coming to the fellowship every day and everything. Before I went to the law school, I told God, I said, Lord, I'm not engaged. And I've made a whole lot of mistakes. If she is in the law school, please don't let me go until I see her. But if she's not there, please close my eyes to every girl that is in the place. I got there. I was, I, there were two ladies that were together with me. We were, worked in the first semester and I think the second term. In the dream, one day God came to me and showed me two ladders. One was a very tall ladder, huge ladder, and then one was a small one. I'm hoping you know this dream very well. It's, it's a large dream, but I just want to point at the two ladders. The first ladder is small and tiny, and the other ladder was so tall and huge. The first lady I met was tiny and small. The second one I met was huge and very big. So I was caught. We went for an ESCO meeting in the dream. So while I wanted to leave the place, there was no staircase. So I climbed on the fence. I said, let me come down through the fence. The fence was so tall, I couldn't come down. So I saw a tiny man on the floor. I said, please, sir, can you help me? Since there are two ladders on the ground. And one, one commonality about these two ladders was that they have all been beaten by rain. And so the man brought the first ladder, which is the small, tiny ladder, put it on the wall. It didn't get to where I am. So I couldn't even step on it. And if I had stepped on it, it would have crashed because rain had beaten it. The second ladder actually got to me, but I couldn't step on it because the rain had also beaten it. So you know what the man told me? He said, as you can see, the two ladders can help. They can carry you. So he brought them down. I can't help you. I managed to come down. But the second dream that actually led me into the relationship is a dream where I, in the school, I saw, I was in the dream. That day they gave me a topic in real life to teach. After lecturing, it was one week to buy exam. I came back and I was so weak. I laid on the bed. In the dream, I saw law students at my back. They were all wearing white and black, all, all of them. All of them, that's our uniform. So for me, I was wearing a jean and I was wearing a shirt, either a shirt or a polo. So they brought out a chair like this and kept in front of me and they were cheering. They were saying something, hell, hell, you know, it was an honor. So they said I should sit down there. I sat down there. I could even recognize two persons from them, my friends. They brought out another chair and they brought a lady. Every other person was wearing white and black, but the lady was also wearing a jean and a polo. So they, <laughs> praise the Lord. I didn't want to share this, but they forced me. 
Wale and this guy. So I sat down there and she sat down there. When they were about leaving, the crowd that was wearing white and black was about leaving, they brought a mat and kept on the floor. And they left. So I went and I laid on the mat and she came and she joined me. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> she, she came and she joined me. I'm almost through. So while we were there, we weren't doing anything, but I had peace. And mind you, in the dream, I had, I, I saw the lady's face very well, completely. But when I woke up from the dream, her face was completely veiled from me. And this was two weeks to go. When I woke up, I didn't have the complete interpretation of the dream. I began to pray. I met a pastor, one woman, Pastor Quincy. I spoke to her, I spoke to you and several other persons. She told me, I said, you should be getting prepared because you're about getting married. I told my roommate, he said the same thing. So when I began to pray about it, God said to me, he said, out of this section of the law school, I've given you a wife. But I veiled her face from you so you could not know it and be able to do what I've called you to do through the law school. And how did I know she was the one? I had not spoken to that lady. <laughs> it was only when they assigned us some numbers to call them during, uh, during the time, during the break, and say, please, please, yes. During the time when we were told to call them and check up how they were, I was the prayer secretary then. I called her, I said, how are you? She said, she's in Calabar. I said, you're in Calabar, where do you worship? She told me, I said, ah, I worshiped them when I was in school. Okay, I'm sending money to you so that you can help me give to some people. That was all I knew about her. So by the time we came back to write our exams, she came to thank me because I gave her a little transfer to give her that money. I met her and from that time I started feeling something for her. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. I'm being sincere now. I started feeling something for her and as I watched her every day, the love, the thing in me grew. Praise the Lord. So, one week to leave the campus, I could no longer bear it. I called her. I said, please, can I be your friend? She said to me, I've been waiting to hear from you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. After one week, I said, I love you. She said, I love you too. When I went home to propose to her in her father's place, I met the father and the mother. I said, I want to marry you. I said, she said, I've been waiting to hear this from you for a very long time. When I started investigating, I found out that God had spoken to her concerning me in dreams. Specific dreams now, not, not uh, enjoying dreams. Specific dreams before I came. I can't tell all of that story now. Hallelujah. Can we appreciate God's grace or God's gift? Papa, sir. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I don't want you to clap off what is happening. Seriously. Seriously. I liked the particular case study we had. And I was watching the faces of people that were making the exceptional sounds so that I can know. <clears throat> Papa, I didn't say it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Okay, um, 
how do we find how do we find as guys or as brothers sorry pardon me okay um you know it's 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 a very common school of thought even going by proverbs 18:22 to think that as a brother the responsibility for us to get a wife is is in is dependent on us amen he that find it is that not the word he that find it a wife find it a good thing and that word find to us implies that we must search amen and search for a wife and i've heard ministers say countless times either jokingly or seriously that ever since god chose for Hedam and the, the it wasn't exactly a success he has stopped choosing for people amen and um we tend to believe that that okay the idea is just look around when you get into any circle you are now in nccf look around in nccf if you didn't get it in ncf and you get out when you get to your place of work look around when you get to this place look around just look around in your circles and you probably will find amen but i i want to stand a bit in our face to say that it does not exactly work that way in fact it does not work that way it's it's not for you to do the searching amen I will explain myself because I know there will probably will be questions. I won't take questions because I'm also not a professional. Amen. But I believe by the time we'll be done, there will be enough um, enough database for the Spirit of God to build on to answer every question that might be ar- ar- that might arise in your heart or that might have arisen in your heart by the time we are done with this. Amen. Proverbs 10, I'll now be a little bit faster. It says, um, who can find a good wife? And he didn't answer. It says, for a price is far above rubies and then um, whoever or who so findeth a wife perhaps it is going to find it a good thing and obtain it favor but i like that how ncv puts that proverbs 18:22. i'll read it again and make some few points before we jump down to the next thing to start with i want anybody here that is that is thinking okay let me quickly read that when a man finds a wife he finds something good it shows that the lord is pleased with that man the fact that the man was able to find a good wife shows that the lord is pleased kjv says and obtains god's favor so apparently the truth is actually to get a good wife it has to do with you obtaining god's favor amen does that make sense i'll pause there and come back there shortly um okay let's just dig it deep and finish it up the word wuso in the kjv wuso find it is a particle it's not exactly a word it's not a full word it's just a particle but in the real intricate implication or inference of that wuso it's trying to tell you that if by any chance if you you just suddenly find someone if by any chance you discover someone that has possession of a good wife it shows that that person has obtained god's favor so what we need as brothers actually is seek God's favor and obtain God's favor and then look at the testimony he said he, there was practically nothing in quotes for him to do he was not the one looking around for the fat ladder and the thin ladder his own is to get busy with that which God has called him to do and to rest in God's bosom amen and to be at peace with what God has in mind if you look at the very one we knew God did himself in Genesis chapter chapter 2 when he made uh, when he brought Eve hallelujah it's it wasn't Adam that was looking around for a wife he actually said that I mean God said in verse 18 that it is not good for this man to be alone he even knew it he saw it but after that statement Bible says he brought all the animals 
Did you read that in your Bibles? To aid them, to name them. He gave him an assignment. And the man was busy giving them names. You shall be called giraffe. You shall be called dove. You shall be called elephant. You shall be called baboon. You shall be called chimpanzee. And he gave all of them names, but there was none of them he named the woman. Because at the end of that nomenclature, the Bible says, but for Adam, there was not yet a, there was not found a help that is meet or befitting for him. In other words, even if Adam had chosen to arise and discover by himself that I need a wife, and he wants to search around, the best he can get is a baboon or a chimpanzee or something that looks like a human being. The best he can get probably would be a parrot, depending on what his taste is. But he himself knew well enough to know that no matter how much I search, at least I have, he, was, he had access with everything that God made. There was none of them he called a woman because there was no woman there. So where is the woman? The woman has always been existing, of course, in God's mind. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, that before I formed you, I knew you, and I ordained you to be this. So, the woman is looking for, or the woman is needing, not looking for, the woman he needs is somewhere in God's mind. Amen. Is somewhere hidden in God's mind. So, the only way you can get it is to access God's mind. Does that make sense? To access God's mind, he will find his wife wrapped inside God's favor in God's mind. How do you get God's favor? Because even God told Moses, that's Exodus 33, when Moses was asking, show me your glory and all that. He said, I show my favor to the person I choose. Like, even to obtain God's favor is, is almost at God's discretion. But how do you qualify for God's favor? There are basically two ways. And the two ways are the way. Amen. And if you can, if you can lay hold on those two ways and apply that road, you can be sure that you can't miss it. Amen. The first way is to ask for it in prayer. Bible talks of how Bartholomew cried to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Some scripture says, or some version says, have favor on me. Bible says in Psalm 69, verse 13, but I pray to you, Lord, for favor. God, because of your great love, answer me. You are truly able to save. But then, that's one way to pray. Tell your neighbor to pray. pray. To pray. pray. To pray. pray. He answers prayers. Jeremiah 33 3. Call unto me and I'll answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. You don't know now. That's why you're asking him. And the truth is, you eventually know when you ask him. Because the second way is to sleep. Amen. Like Adam did. Bible says God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Abiyonku. And Bible says, and he slept. God caused the sleep to come. It's one thing for God to say, oh yeah, sleep. It's another thing to sleep, actually. There are many times that when we're in school, you'll have the exam the next day, and sleep will be coming seriously. You go and buy Nescafe so that you won't sleep. Of which God knew that you didn't need that overnight. He has said to the, say, go and sleep. He brought sleep to your eyes. And you just keep struggling it out. That, no, I must not sleep, say. I must stay awake so that I will not miss it. I must be vigilant. Be alert, be vigilant. It says for your adversary, the devil, not so that you can find your, find your wife. Amen. Amen. So you must get to a point where you actually welcome God's rest and receive it. That's how you can find it. When you are not exactly getting everywhere and asking, is she the one? No. Could she be the one? Let me observe her. No. And that's how many, people, many brothers are getting it. When they now think, when they've gotten to a point, okay, let me say something brief about my corridor of love story. I, 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 I just met with fellowship members too, like you said. I was in part three when she was in part one. So I, some things brought us together. 
And we were together as in fellowship and all that. They were looking at calling us pastor, calling us brother, all those kind of stuff and everything. And we felt good with it. And she just became my friend. The friendship just grew. It grew rapidly and unexplainably. And everybody around me just concluded that this is the one. She was beautiful. She, she is beautiful. She is just everything a reasonable guy would want in a reasonable, we want for a reasonable marriage. Amen. And I just felt since everybody is saying yes, then probably it is yes. But I know deep and deep and deep within me that God has not said anything about it. But I was a bit afraid to ask him so that I won't. Because I've gotten to a point where I know that even if I go to God, if God is doing like this, I probably think he's trying to say yes in a way. You know you get to that point. You've, you've, you've worked dangerous works. And then you've gotten to a point where even to hear God's yes is a problem. Or to hear God's no is a problem. To discern God's voice is a problem. That's why if you have spared yourself of all that search and just reside in his rest, you will know. How did Adam know that Eve was the one? Because when God, Bible says God took a rib Abby, out, out of him and from that rib he made a woman and then he brought him unto him and went, brought her unto him. And when he saw her, Bible says he said, no, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Amen. For she was brought out of man. And it occurs to me that there was a deja vu. You know what a deja vu is? When you feel like this thing has happened before. When you feel like this thing that just happened now is like it has happened sometimes before. All of us were dwelling in God's mind from eternal past. Amen. So when you see the person that was assigned for you right from before the beginning began in real experience, I believe there's something that quickens in you and makes you feel I've known this lady somewhere. Amen. Maybe you've not been there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Seriously. He knew that we've been together somewhere. It must be in God's mind. Why would the two of us were still there? I came first before you, but now you are here. That's why God, God, God frowns at adultery and fornication because every lady you are seeing is actually somebody's husband. God is in the presence of making, I mean, somebody's wife. God's in the presence of making her. He says, I will make a help meet for her. It's not by, it's a making. She might still be a prostitute today, but she's meant to be somebody's, somebody's wife. She might, she might be a backbiter today, but she's meant to be somebody's wife. God is still making, he's still doing his best to make her. To make her. To make her. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, if, if he's a brother, that go and sleep. My head is there. Call <laughs> go and sleep. <laughs> Some people have woken up already. <laughs> Amen. That's okay. That's okay. Let's forge ahead. Time is fast running out. Time is fast, fast running out. But I want, of course, marriage is a broad matter. But you can set if it's just this foundation. And perhaps you've been in a relationship and you can't exactly link it back to the fact that God was in it. It's, it's high time you probably go back to that same God. Not probably. You have to. And he will still tell you the truth. Because I eventually got out of the corridors. Thank God I didn't enter the sitting room. I was just working on the corridors. Was I eventually knew that no... I've heard so much from so many people. Even people at home, had, they've consented as it were. They just, she had paid a visit once or twice and they just like, everybody loves her. And there was a part of me that was still burdened. You know, when you know that this is not what you saw, the person you've been with in God's mind, you will know. And I went to God with all sincerity. It was a three days prayer and fasting and I prayed. And it was expressly clear when God showed what he was going to show. And you know when you don't just go to some things. 
And I called her because I knew, I've never told her anything like marriage, but I knew that she probably was just expecting that one day will come and I will sit down and say, this is it. So I actually did call her and let her know what God is saying. But that was after lots of prayers and telling God that her heart must not be broken because I'm scared of that, breaking someone's heart. It's, I've counseled people that their hearts were broken, so I know what it's like. When, when you've actually shattered someone's life, it can be very, some sisters have been there here, they are quiet. Amen. Seriously, it's something very devastating. But thank God for this story. It was a testimony, seriously. And I thank God that it was just the corridors. Hallelujah. But even if you are doing in the sitting room, God is everywhere in the house. Hallelujah. The heart is the Lord and the fullness thereof. If you ask him, seriously, I'm not joking now. If you ask him, he will tell you. If you really want to hear him speak, the same way he has been speaking before that you've been knowing that it is God, he will speak in that same way and you will not doubt it. It will be clear. Amen. So that's the first point I want brothers to settle and have it set. Don't go around. If you think that time is going, if you think you've missed the bus, that's why we started from that Isaiah scripture that we read. If God will give mates to goats, give mates to vultures, vultures are not beautiful. Goats are disobedient animals. He gave them mates and he said none of those animals will lack their mates. How much more you? So he has someone in his mind for you. And the only way to access it at all to rest in his bosom. It took someone from, it took a rib, Abby, from it, and I was asking myself recently why I was pondering on that, that what should that signify? I didn't want to attempt to read any commentary on it so that I wouldn't be tempted to see it through their windows. And I was just coruscating the matter in my mind and I was like, a rib. And I knew that the rib cage is what protects our heart and our lungs. Amen. And if there is anything I know, I know that your heart and your lungs are the major organs of life. If the heart should stop, life is gone. If the lungs should be punctured, life is gone. So the rib, as it were, signifies that which keeps life going. It protects life and keeps it going. And there's only one thing that does that in spiritual terms. Is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, that by faith we know that God made the heavens and the heart. And they have saw that the things that we see came from things that did not appear before. And then in Hebrews 1, 3, it says it, it sustains the world that he has created by faith by the words of his power and by that same words faith arises amen so god used as it were by the action of adam choosing to sleep when god brought the deep sleep upon him he's saying yes to god and trusting god totally to sleep is it symbolizes trust the fact that you are sleeping in your room is because you trust that your roommate will not wake up in the night and stab you to death before you wake up the fact that samson could sleep on delilah's knees was because he trusted her but he was trusting the wrong person. But if you are sleeping on God's laps, when you are trusting God totally and you are that at rest, he, he, he uses that your faith or your trust as it were. And he counts it for you for a real person in the time that has been appointed of him. So don't be frazzled. You can be 29 or 35. I, I don't care. The truth is he makes all things beautiful in his time. Amen. Amen. Now to the sisters. Because in recent times I discovered that Sisters don't like hearing when brothers come and they start by saying, God told me. They just think you are deceiving them. Amen. But one thing I liked about Brochimese's story is actually the part of the sister also knowing ahead of time. Amen. 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 If you've, if you've, and actually, I, I, I have a burden for you people. I, I'm looking here because, okay, there's a sister here, but the sisters are basically here. You, you, need to, you need to release yourself to be made, actually. If you have been made and you are made into the wife, 
when you see your husband, you too, you will know. If did not argue, that, ah, how will you God? How will you bring me to this kind of man? He's naked. He's not. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's not like me. He doesn't have the things I have. He's looking different. How will I cope with him? He didn't. She didn't argue. Rebecca has not seen Isaac before. They just told him there is somebody somewhere, and she actually accepted to go. She didn't argue. It's because she's also at rest. She's coming from God's mind. And she has been made. That's actually the point. Release yourselves to be made. You just look at some sisters sometimes as a brother and then you just wonder, and this will be somebody's wife. It's painful when a guy thinks like that. He knows, even if God is going to say you are the one for him, he will think twice. But it's because the person has not been made. Amen. When you see that which has been made, made, Release yourself to be made. Tell your neighbor, release yourself to be made. I read a statement sometimes ago in a book. The person said, I think it was Max Takedo. He said, A woman must be so hidden in God that a man will first of all have to get God together. And there was, there was a dream I had sometimes. It's not quite long ago. I'm, I don't have a wife. Oh. But I asked a question in the dream that. In real life, I was wondering how the dream correlates with reality. I was asking God, oh God, why should my wife love you more than me? That was the question I asked. I was asking a teacher, but I know the teacher was God. And I didn't get an answer in the dream. But when I woke up and started writing, I started writing and writing and writing, and I discovered actually in God's school of, in God's idea, you people are meant to have been so made as it were. You are, you are meant to be closer to God, literally, at the start of the whole thing. That's why we tell you to submit to her. It seems like you even pray more than him. It seems like you even know more than him. But you have to submit. If you see a sister that has been made, what a brother, a typical brother will be saying is, God, why do I deserve this kind of person? Because you will look and fear twice that it is well. It is God's gift now. And Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. Amen. So it is now left for God. That's why was it Peter that was it was Paul, Ephesians chapter five that was writing and was telling wives submit unto your husband and husband love your wives as Christ loved the church. So by the time the husband to now start looking back to what how Christ loved the church, he will catch up with her and they will be on the same level and they'll be able to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. Amen. So when when two people are coming together and the brother still has to work and work and work on the sister. You, you are not the one to do the work. You know. God works on you. He works on her. As it is difficult to find a perfect wife, it is also difficult to find a perfect husband. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6. Who can find a faithful man? The question too was not answered. Because it's God that makes the two. He makes you into who you are meant to be and then he brings someone that he has made for you right from eternal past and you walk the, the path of destiny together. 20 minutes. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, I'll just probably stop. Let me read some scriptures that makes you know that it's God that actually gives us this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. You can write them down. I'll read them as I have them here, but you can write them down. Ecclesiastes 9, 9 and 10. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. This was the preacher. Don't mind the word meaningless. My own life is meaningful. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your heartly toy. That's actually where I'm going. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your heartly toil. Exodus 9, 9 to 10 from the New Living Translation. John chapter 3, verse 27 in New Century Version says, John answered, a man can get only what God gives him. If God does not give you, you can't get it. If you get it, you've got it, it gets who get. <laughs> Amen. When uncle was announcing missing phones in camp, 
why we were in Tula. It's not because we were going around looking for phones that were missing. It has been written that those phones will be found. So when he's saying that find it a wife, doesn't mean you have to go around finding. You will find because you discover they are found. And you discover that they are found because he brought he brought Eve to Adam. He brought I, Rebecca was brought to Isaac. Isaac was in his tent. They sent Eliezer to go. But because there was something that links them together. You know one of the tests that Eliezer, he threw fleas and told God that a woman, the, man, the person that comes first here and says that and when I ask her, give me a drink, he will say, I will feed you and your cattle also, and your donkeys. He said, that will be the woman. And I asked myself why Rebecca had to come and actually not only fetch water for Eliezer but for the donkeys. That shows that he loves those animals. And why? Because the husband back at home is meant to be a keeper of such animals. So the wife must love those animals. If it's someone that doesn't love it, then their parts cannot be together. Do you get? So there is someone that based on God's assignment for the man, there is someone God has made to come and compliment him. On his own, the man is incomplete. On the woman's own too, she's incomplete. So the two of you need yourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter... Oh, okay. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. We'll get to that Ecclesiastes 4 too. We'll probably just read it. I won't say anything on it. Fathers can give their sons, and I'm reading Proverbs 19, 14. Fathers can give their sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Proverbs 19, 14. Only the Lord. New Living Translation. Then lastly, Genesis 2, 18 from the New Century Version. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make, he's the one that is making it, I will make a helper who is right for him. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, time won't permit us to branch in the streets of Proverbs 31. You know, I still want to talk about us as the church, being the bride of Jesus, in a few minutes. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 12. I'll just tidy it up for that, for the ladies. Just listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. I'm reading from New Century Version. It says, two people are better than one. Why? It says, because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help. Verse 11 says, if two lie down together, they will be warm. But a person alone will not be warm. And verse 12 says, an enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. And it ends by saying, a rope that is woven of three strings is hard to break. So from these scriptures, we can see that the woman comes to complete, they complete each other anyway. The woman comes to complete the man. The woman is there so that she will pull him up when he falls. And the man is there so that he will pull her up when she falls. Then thirdly, we, saw, we, we could see that she keeps him warm. We all need warmth, especially emotionally and spiritually. In every way of life, we need warmth. But you can't keep warm on your own. I was pondering recently on when David said that I will encourage myself in the Lord. It's a deep thing, no matter how you want to look at it. To, uh, to get to a point where you have, of course, even before he got there, he cried. That was says he cried. He, they had no more strength to cry. So it's 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 not something you can do on your own to keep warm by yourself. You need someone to keep you warm. Amen. And then she fights life's battles together with him. It says if an enemy comes, if he's one man, he can easily overpower. But with two people, one shall chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand to flight. And then she agrees with him in prayers. I I, I saw some terrible scriptures about when. Um, when husbands are not treating their wives well, how God will not answer their prayers? That was in First Peter chapter three verse seven. He says, "In the same way, you husband give honor to your wives." And then towards the end of that scripture, he says that um, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, as you should, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So that your prayers will not be hindered. And then in Malachi chapter two, fifteen and sixteen, he says, "God, not you, God, 
not you. This is from the message translations. It is God, not you, that made marriage. And it is his spirit that inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? He wants children of God. He wants children that are godly. That's another reason why God instituted marriage. And that's another God, reason why God wants you to meet that person. And then in on prayer, Matthew 18, 19, and 20, it says, Also I tell you, that if two of you on heart agree about something and pray for it, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. When we come to church like this and we say we are agreeing, the truth is we are still thinking different thoughts in our mind. But it's easier when it's just two people and two people are two people that have been joined together in eternal past. It's easier for them to agree and things will happen. In the Greek um, New Testament, GNC, that other verse, the next verse to it that talks about um, where two or three are gathered together in my name, it says there I am with them. It actually says that where two people are gathered, I will come and be their third. That's why that Ecclesiastes ended with a cord of three strands can never be broken. The man, the wife, and God. So when you are that interwoven into that triangle, things will work out fine. Amen. The Lord will help in Jesus' name. Okay. Um, let's just quickly talk about Christ and the church. We as the bride. I will pause on marriage there. But I believe that somebody got something. Somebody got something. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 16. I pray for speed to do this. Ezekiel chapter 16. I'll probably just bring out some few things. And interestingly, this is also the picture of another woman. Ezekiel 16. Let's open there, please. That will probably be the last scripture we'll read. I'll come through from verse 4 down to 14. Thereabout, I'll be very fast. As for your nativity on the day you were born, I think this should be New King James Version. As for your nativity on the day you were born, your navel cord was not caught, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, this is symbolic of Israel. God was trying to paint an analogy or an allegory, as it were. He says, No, I pitied you, verse 5. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into the open field, and you yourself were loathed on the day that you were born. Verse and when I, God, that I is God, when God passed by her and saw her struggling in her home blood, God said, I said to you in your blood, leave. Yes, I said to you in your blood, leave. I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grew, matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed. Your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again, verse 8, and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I saw an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. You became mine, says the Lord God. Verse 9 says, then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. So I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I had donned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrist, chain on your neck, a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, a beautiful crown on your head. Verse 13 says, thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was on fine linen and silk and embroidered clothes. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. I always like to stop there because the next verse is pathetic. Verse 15 says, But you trusted in your beauty and you became a prostitute. 
you became because you were so famous you had sexual relations with anyone who passed by and if you read on and on and on you discover that every good thing that we saw that god did for this baby in quotes and ensure that she grew to become a beautiful woman i think it was cv that says you became so beautiful that the whole world knew and then eventually she abused bible says the beauty got to her head and she became a prostitute now the truth is every of those things time will fail me to begin to tell you the symbolism of each of those things god did but god invested so much in us as the church and he was doing that to make us into that beautiful bride there is a bride that is coming back to see there is a people a church a one a many membered body that is coming for that we all are meant to be integral parts of but he's, 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 he has done all that he needed to do. Songs of Solomon chapter 2. And from verse 5, we saw all the love of the man. Now he kept coming and coming. Bible says he was living over the mountains. He did all the gymnastics and drama and came to the woman and said to the Shunemite woman, Come with me. And then chapter 3, verse 1. Bible says, On night on my bed, I looked for the one that my heart loved, the woman. And then she discovered the man was not there. God at first he was the one that was busy looking for us he did all the investments everything that you needed to become the bride he did it for each and every one of us he did it once and for all and he made everything that is requisite to life and godliness accessible to us from his word and eventually many of us are yet claiming to be christians but that freedom and liberty and blessedness of being a believer is getting to our heads and turning us to be worse sinners some things are worse sinners than when they were believers stuff that they never used to do why they were not even when they've not met god they started doing it after they met god and it's it's burdens it's it's something that makes god's heart bleed amen but he's coming back for a bride and if there's anything we know about the bride it's the fact that it's meant to be a bride without blemish a, bri- a bride without spots a bride whose beauty will not get into his head or her head her head as it were but i want you to look at your life as a part of that bride and understand that god has given you all that it takes at some point he said i passed by her again verse 8 and discovered message translation says i discovered that it was the time for her to be loved and to have a lover and so i had intercourse with her god met you and first john 3 9 says that he that is born of god does not sin because god's seed amplified Bible says the divine sperm of god dwells in that person so everything that made god god he released it as a gene into us and we claim to be regenerated and once you have indeed been regenerated it should be obvious in your life people should see you and see heaven in your eyes see heaven in your touch see heaven in your speech see heaven in your appearance see god in everything that you do and let them confuse you for another jesus he's coming back for a bride that is without spots or wrinkles the truth is the church is not a place for perfect people that's the truth but it's a place to perfect people it's a place to get us to climb up to the next level amen let's rise to our feet Amen. And I thought I took permission to finish by six. Okay, it wasn't granted. Um, I want us to just pray. I don't know which part hit you most, but I need you to talk to your father. He's actually your friend. He said, I've not called you servants. I've called you friends. When he rose up, after he finished everything that is meant to be the price to be paid, he said, I'm going to your father and my father, your God and my God. Talk to him. If there is, 
if you are yet to access his favor, if you are yet to access his, his, his treasure in his favor, ask that he will do it. He says that, ask, call on me, and I will answer, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I will show you. I will show you. Come on to me, and I will give you rest. Come, just come to him again, and he will give you rest. He will give you rest. While he was standing at the door and knocking, he did not just stand there. He was standing there with a feast. So he says, if you open the door, I will come in and eat with you. Not the food that you prepared, but the one he brought with him. He has brought a feast to you. He has brought a feast. Message translation says in Psalm 23 verse 5 that he prepared a six-course dinner so that you can eat in the presence of your enemy. He has brought the feast to you and he wants you to eat and keep eating and keep eating. The enemies, the best they can do is they will stand and watch because you have found true love. That which you've been holding on to that you think is the best, you will discover that there is much more in the father. There is much more than the gala you have been eating. He wants to come and give you a six-course dinner treat and you will be swept off your feet in love and you will discover that the more you dwell in his love, the more you will know that that is the best way to love him more. It's not about what you can do. You can't actually do anything to get there. It is all wrapped up in his mercy and his grace. Come boldly, Hebrews 4, 16, to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace. Find grace. Find grace for such a time as this. I want us all to go before that throne again tonight. Libra go shanta libre dos kapaye gedoniaga. Legoduniaga brosku pranda nima ligze broshotoli gedonia. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Continue to pray when you get your closet. I thank God for the opportunity to serve once again. And um, I just, as I pack my things and leave, and as Auntie comes up, I just want us to have this at the back of our mind. Bible was saying in Luke chapter 5, I think it was the last verse that was saying that, um, but um, no one having tasted of the old wine straightforward desires the new, for he says the old is better. The truth is, power we change hands in, in times sooner than now. By Sunday, we'll all be handing over. And there's this natural tendency that is always a limitation to whatever God is doing in God's house per time. And it's comparison. By the time you start comparing, okay, this was how the last CBN was reacting. This is how the new CBN is now reacting. All of those things limit you to tap into what God has in mind for you from that person. Amen. The truth is God's counsel and might is Proverbs 18, brighter and brighter. And if you continue to get yourself tied up in the captivity of of looking through the past to the tomorrow, you will never get it. There's always something specific he wants to do per time and per tenure and per dispensation. I want you to see how you could step up your game in the Holy Ghost to the new frequency with which God will be moving right from Sunday. I speak by the Spirit of God. And I, I want you to, to... The Lord bless that in Jesus' name.